You're listening to Story Trails The Interviews, a micro-series that precedes the complete Story Trails series launch by Becky Stirrup. I'd like to dedicate this week's episode to my daughter Jessica, who turned five just last week. She is a constant source of delight and wonder. Thanks, Jessica, for being the wonderful bean that you are. My name is Val, Val Key, and I'm the guide. And I've petitioned the council to open the way to the human realm. We could all use a boost here. I mean, let's be honest. Look around you. I mean, the trolls are on strike. Oh, great. Oh, um, that, that's me. Thanks, Hatter. <clears throat> oh, yes. That's a lovely cuppa. Oh. Anyway, what was I saying? Yes, the trolls are on strike. The Pixies are definitely plotting something. I, they're always whispering with each other. And, oh, the dragon dung. So much dragon dung. Ever since the fairies left. And, and, and where did they go? No one knows. When are they coming back? Are they coming back? And then there's all those other missing creatures. You know, we can't remember their names anymore. But they were definitely here. You know, the oh, thingamies and the... Oh, what do you call it? And that here one day and then poof, gone. If you ask me, inviting humans on organised, carefully regulated tours will inject some much-needed commerce into the area. You give everyone a lift. Oh, and here's the clincher. You know, if it looks like the council might vote no, I'll remind them that humans are absolutely dripping in news stories. Everyone remembers Alice and all her rhymes. Imagine all the new stories since then, all the poems, the rhymes, the, the songs, all of that lovely narrative. You know what that could mean for all of us. And cash, of course, you know, cold hard cash. It's win-win. How was that? I didn't, didn't come across as desperate? Oh, good. <laughs> you know, not that I am desperate. I am a bit desperate, I suppose. Would you like a cover? You really are a champ running around conducting all these interviews. Uh, what? Gobble? Good grief, I haven't seen Gobble for years. I didn't even know Gobble was still around. Oh, not a bad goblin, come to think of it. Anyway, I think I'll order some cake. Would you like some cake, Hatter? You've been listening to Story Trails The Interviews, a podcast for grown-ups and children to enjoy together. This micro-series has been developed specifically to provide families with something fun to do during these tricky times. Keep listening for this week's creative mission and the chapter from the Knotbird. The creatures in the Enchanted Realm will deal in cash, but they also deal in stories. This week's creative mission is to let me know what your favourite stories are. They can be from games or films or TV or books... But they might also be fun things you remember doing, or a story you've made up. Remember to email or tweet them to me. You can email info at storytrails.co.uk or tweet at storytrails.uk. Remember to keep checking the website to see your work displayed at www.storytrails.co.uk. And keep listening for this week's chapter from The Knotbird. The Knotbird is intended for children from the ages of 8 to 10, but some younger and some older children may enjoy it. The story includes themes of family, separation, friendship and identity. Towards the end of the book, it also includes some violence and death. I hope you enjoy the following chapter. The Knotbird, Chapter 10 Flodder groaned. 
He had been unconscious since noon, and in all that time, the two brothers had simply stared. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. They had heard of creatures like Flodder, of course, all pixies had, but their kind had died out, or so it was believed. Shall we leave? said Philippe. Why do you want to leave? Bobbin couldn't stop staring at the creature across from him. Before it wakes up, said Philippe. Bobbin looked at his brother and despaired. They had been on their way to raid strawberries when the green creature had flown past. They had shared a disbelieving look and abandoned the strawberries to chase it. They had run through a jungle of grass and thorn bushes. They had even passed a hedgehog that could have kept them fed for a week. Finally, they caught up with the creature just as Flodder burped flame and passed out. Flodder was the first of his kind to be seen in years, and Philippe wanted to leave. Bobbin sighed and got up from his crouching position to walk over to the creature. Don't, Bobbin, said Philippe. Bobbin stood over Flodder. Do you know what this is, Philippe? That's why we should leave it. It's harmless. A child, look. Philippe stayed right where he was. You shouldn't, Bobbin. Come back. Bobbin was examining Flodder's injured wing. The small creature whimpered when he touched the damaged tissue. Bobbin stroked Flodder's brow. It was hot. There, there, he said. You'll be okay. What are you doing? I think we should take it home, Philippe. You're mad. It needs our help. Philippe shook his head and cautiously approached. The creature was so pale... He could see blood and noticed another scar on its tail. His frown eased. It doesn't look at all dangerous, does it? He said. No, not at all, Bobbin patted his brother's shoulder. And you really mean to help it? Said Philippe. Of course I do. What do you take me for? Philippe looked Bobbin in the eye. Flodder groaned and Bobbin looked away. He spat into his right palm and held it out to Philippe. (coughs) Pixie promise! Philippe did the same, and they shook on it. Philippe immediately began searching for leaf strong enough for them to carry Flodder home. Bobbin stood guard over his find. He slowly took his left hand out of his pocket and uncrossed his fingers. As he looked at the creature, something like avarice glinted in his eye. Merchan resumed his leadership of the birds sadder and wiser. It was as if the colony had ceased holding its breath and life could at last continue. The chicks grew and their parents taught them the art of flight in all its contexts, foraging through the air, looking for grubs, evading capture. As Cheru's children grew, they stopped asking about their green brother. Birds did not discuss such things. All of them carried on as if he had never cavorted in the air to make them laugh, or found them an extra sweet berry, or lived at all. Except for her smallest chick, Curio, had earned her name when she went missing one night. They had found her staring intently at the moon's reflection in a puddle. She had turned to her mother, feathers wet through, and simply asked, Why can't I reach the big light? I've been trying all night. The birds had laughed and said, The chick is too curious. It had been meant as a joke, but Curio had puffed her feathers out and loudly asked, Well, can any of you tell me why I can't reach the big light? An embarrassed silence told her that they could not. Burrow had felt the silence like a blow and had reacted to dispel it. Do not be strange, child, he had said. 
We do not need to know of such things so far away. What good are they to birds? Cheroo, her head tilted to one side, had said, It may not bring food or make a nest, but the question is a good one. Never cease to be curious, my daughter, but perhaps a little more wisdom. And Cheroo had taken her cold, wet chick under her wing, holding her close through the night until her shivering ceased. Curio delighted Cheroo. She had a knack for asking strange questions that were often dismissed as troublesome. Cheroo knew her daughter's innocent, wise and what-fors made the birds think a little more than they liked. She reminded her of Flodder. When Curio had made a pest of herself to every bird in the colony, Murchan began to teach her himself. He decided that the only way to satisfy her busy mind was to explain the root and reason of bird law. Cheroo was glad. Despite herself, she had missed the closeness that had developed between her and Moachan through Flodder. As Moachan taught her daughter, he and Cheroo slowly, tentatively, became friends. They had both changed. Moachan was less sure of himself, though he hid it well, and Cheroo was often sought after by the birds for advice and understanding. Burrow looked on. He did not know how to respond to Curio. He felt that her questions were disrespectful and that she undermined their tradition. When Moa Chan began to teach her, the other birds nodded to Burrow as if his daughter had been touched with greatness. Their voices changed when they spoke of her. She was still troublesome, a pest, and still too curious, but she was Moa Chan's pupil, maybe even his apprentice, and the association rubbed off. Burrow did not like it. He had seen Cheroo fly to the leader that night. Whatever she had said, it brought the old bird back to the colony. Burrow watched Moachan teach his daughter and speak with Cheroo, and his feathers rose. Flodder opened his eyes. He blinked, and a strange face came into focus. He snapped his eyes shut and slowly peeled one lid back to peek at the thing that hovered over him. It was putting something on his damaged wing. Fodder remembered the cat and flying away, and the strange rushing in his head. He was hot. It had happened again. Whatever he had done to the falcon had happened again. He didn't think anyone had been hurt this time. He hoped not. Fodder watched the creature that seemed to be helping him. It was then he realised that for the first time in his short life, he could not see the sky. Flodder yelped, and Philippe jumped back. Bobbin stepped forward and said, It's okay, it's okay. We're helping you. Where's the sky gone? said Flodder. The sky? Bobbin glanced up at the roof of their home. Oh, Philippe, would you be so kind as to open the door? Philippe shrugged and trundled to a hole that had been blocked up. He unblocked it, and Flodder squinted at the night sky. His heart calmed, and he looked around. Where am I? You're in our home. It used to be a squirrel hole, and now it's ours. A squirrel hole, inside a tree. A tree? Yes. Bobbin had not taken his eyes off the creature. It was beginning to relax. Philippe interrupted his train of thought. Can I shut the door now, Bobbin? It's cold. Bobbin looked at Flodder. Do you mind if we shut the door, my young friend? Flodder's eyes widened, but he nodded. Bobbin smiled. By all means, shut the door, Philippe, and finish making that soup. 
Philippe muttered to himself and wandered over to another corner of the room. Bobbin gave the green creature his full attention. Now, friend, introductions. My name is Bobbin, and the wastrel in the corner is my brother Philippe. Who might you be? My name is Flodder. Pleased to meet you, Flodder. Flodder glanced around the strange hole again. A golden light filled it, and the strange smell made him lick his lips. He glanced at the one called Philippe and noticed the source of the light. It was warm, too. Bobbin studied Flodder's reactions intently. It was clear that Flodder had never seen fire before when his eyes widened in surprise and then narrowed as if he should know it. The pixie broke into Flodder's reverie. On our way to the strawberry fields, we saw you fly by. You seemed hurt, so we followed and found you unconscious. We brought you here. Flodder looked at the strange creature. Everything was strange in this place. No sky, a thing that glowed and was warm and that he seemed to know but had never seen. And these creatures. He knew that he should be polite. He knew that he should thank them and he knew that he shouldn't stare but he couldn't help himself. Flodder opened his mouth and blurted, I've never seen anything like you before. Bobbin glanced at Philippe who was bringing soup to their guest. He looked Flodder in the eye and said, That's funny. I've seen creatures like you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Story Trails, The Interviews, created and acted by Becky Stirrup. The wonderful music was provided by the very talented King Rich, and for a full list of sound effects and credits, please see the show notes. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. Remember, words are magic, and that's why putting letters in order is called spelling.